0: welcome back to another or our first ever Untitled Movie Preview. I am one of your hosts, Matt Rohrbeck, alongside, he's allergic to tomatoes, but he is tomato meter approved, Eric Marchin.
1: It's not my name anymore, Matt. It's
0: Dune. (laughs) Yeah, today we are previewing um, Denis Villeneuve's uh, Dune, the IMAX experience. So uh, Eric and I were lucky enough to, um, you know, leave our homes for the first time in a year and a half to head down to uh, the Scotiabank Theater in Toronto uh, to
1: see about,
0: Eric, would you say like 20, 25 minutes of Dune in IMAX? Or? Yeah, it
1: was part, you know, a, a couple of clips, a sizzle reel of behind the scenes sort of footage and EPK, you know, kit uh, content. And then also uh, Denis Villeneuve, uh, Hans Zimmer, and Timothy Chalamet doing intros uh -hmm. to those scenes or bridging to the scenes or uh you know talking about the music and the making of
0: yeah so yeah they eric kind of already mentioned it but yeah we got to see the first 10 minutes so the opening 10 minutes of the film in imax uh, with IMAX aspect ratio. We went to Scotiabank Theater, if you guys aren't familiar with it, and it's one of the real, quote unquote, real IMAX theaters in the GTA. Uh, there's only a few of them, Cinesphere, Scotiabank, Vaughn, one in Mississauga. Actually, I don't know if the Vaughn one is, but anyways, it um, it's a legit, it has laser projection. They got rid of the film projector. Film projector is only in uh, Cinesphere. Um, Dune will be, um, you know, premiering as a special event at, the toronto film festival um at later this year at the Sinosphere so in imax um a lot of this stuff was you know denny Villeneuve saying imax is the way to see this movie and i can see why they had this preview in imax because he shot a lot of it and it has that you know that full screen almost square aspect ratio for the giant uh uh IMAX theater like Nolan has done in a lot of his films which uh, I mean Zack Snyder just did for Justice League even though we watched that all at home so the square aspect or the four by three was weird um but yeah we saw the opening 10 minutes then we saw a little bit of behind the scenes stuff we saw a the sandworm sequence the reveal of the sandworm um as well as a Hans Zimmer piece and then the 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 debut of the new trailer um, so we'll kind of go through it all. and I think we're coming from interesting um perspectives here, Eric, because you are a fan. Have you read the book or no?
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, you've I read, read it the... back in high school. i you've I was addicted to uh, the spice, uh, mm-hmm. like many uh, sci-fi nerds back in the day. I remember reading that and um the forever war. um and like that was still around the time where i i I loved like I started getting into dark um sci-fi like, you know dystopian stuff around then and and like i a lot of this comes from my dad because he loved that stuff as well like he loved dune uh as a kid so yeah
0: and i and you've also seen the the david lynch dune which i've kind I of been sure avoid which i've been avoiding cuz like you know i've been going i went through and watched a lot of david lynch's filmography over the last you know 5 years or so but um dune was one i intentionally skipped because one i've heard it's not very good and two no um i knew this was coming so i was just kind of wanted to go in sort of blind like you i know have about jordorowski's dune, your, uh, Jodorowsky's oh, Jodorowsky's dune, dune so which i yes, think is also
1: really that. important to maybe even talk about because you know i think denny Villeneuve is more commercial than jodorowski i mean yeah look at uh, uh, yeah for the holy mountain yeah. and, and um you look at you watch that movie, Yoderasky's doing, which is a really wonderful documentary. It's it's very it's great, yeah. standard, but Yoderasky has a personality, you know, having that conversation of what he wanted that movie to be and ultimately kind of the, the fingerprints it left on other films. I mean, even though we didn't get Yoderasky's Doom, you know, <laughs> people like Mobius and Dan O'Bannon, um... And H.R. Giger, you know, moved on to help create Ridley Scott's Alien, which Ridley Scott also wanted to make Dune at one point. Um, you can yeah. really see the influences on Dune on many different sci-fi
0: and even, you know, other kind of genres. Yeah, like that.
1: Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune and and um, John Carter of Mars are those two like sort of tombs that everything from Star Wars to th- 2001 have you know, borrowed from. And like, when you get to like, again, David Lynch is doing the reason why that film ultimately got made, even though, you know, it was kind of cobbled together by Dino De Laurentiis's company um, was because of Star Wars. So Star Wars does so well, you know, at the, in the end of the seventies and you could say, you know, 2001 is precursor as well, but more so the commercial aspect of it that, Disney tries to make, you know, the black hole, uh, a sci-fi movie when it was actually a disaster film. Alien comes about, Uh Dune is kind of cobbled together and sort of people are, and, and, and even Blade Runner um are all put together. And, you know, they, none of them do well, even though yeah. some of them are good and some of them are terrible. Um, but Yordorowski's Dune, like to think of like, you know, Orson Welles and, salvador Dali, uh you know in in a movie that was going to be like a commercial you know blockbuster from yodorowsky um it, it's still mind-boggling yeah like it's just like it, it it's sad that it never happened and maybe in like an, another timeline or universe it did but um it, it just thinking about that dune and then like even the sci-fi series that kind of followed in the in the early 2000s like children of dune and things like that there was one of them that had um Susan Sarandon, uh, in one of the roles. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's been one of those projects that's, it's so, that book is so dense and the books that follow are, are so sort of, you know, they're, they're world building adjacent stories that are taking from some historical context dealing with imperialism and colonialism, Um, and, and sort of looking at that as kind of the infrastructure to telling a tale that's, you know, basically a drug trip, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) you know, with giant sandworms and, and people after, you know, the spice and what it can be used for one culture and what it means to another. Yeah. Um, but. Hearing Denny Villeneuve kind of do that intro and saying that this is a very personal story to him, this is something that he's wanted to do since he's 14 years old. Um, which I'm sure he'll be talking about a lot during you know the, the press, press tour, yeah. Tour and junket, they're and gonna like promote that. that. The one
0: thing I got out of this, we'll get into it, is that they're gonna push this movie hard and they're going to do a lot of like i think they're going to show a lot of this movie because i'm assuming it's going to be close to three hours or two and a half hours or something like that um but because of i think blade runner 2049 being a fantastic movie that bombed uh, for the most part like they put you know 200 million dollars into that movie or 150 and it's just like it's this dense heady sci-fi sequel to a cult classic that you know that didn't that really, became successful yeah,
1: over time and but didn't really various, translate to a, a, a you know mainstream audience yeah and, and what cut as well like that's the important yeah. thing with with that with Blade Runner it's like that's like part of the success of those movies is that it got re-released as a director's cut yeah. and then you know decades later a final cut and it's just like you know like Studio execs aren't interested in long-term revenues. It's all about opening weekend. And like (laughs) those first couple of weeks are so crucial to a film that yes, it is based on a novel that does have Mm. fanfare, but again, it's cult fanfare. And so you're thinking to yourself, you know, this isn't, this isn't a Marvel thing. You know, this isn't, this isn't based on something that's popular now, other than it's just sci-fi. But I'd
0: argue even when Iron Man came out, like Marvel Comics was kind of, you know, not struggling, like,
1: but, you know, no, but, but it's Spider-Man, Spider-Man and, and X-Men. Yeah, and, sure. But and Iron Man still. Be, be begins, even though that's not Marvel. Like yeah. the superhero launch was beginning again. You know, like they were out of the darkness of Batman and Robin and Steel and things like that, where Dune has never been. Um, has never had any success whatsoever, that, and that's that what's so fast, fa-
0: and that's what's so fascinating to me with you know a cast that includes Timothee Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgard, uh, Dave Bautista, uh, Zendaya, who is not Michi, she is Chani, um, uh, David Bardem. Das Malkian, uh, Javier Bardem, Jason Momoa, Charlotte Rampling, um, like just a- an insane cast, and you can tell they threw an insane amount of money at this. And they're just going all out with the IMAX aspect ratio and, and taking a very action focused approach to the marketing to kind of show people like, okay, Blade Runner, very slow, dense, heady, sci-fi, uh, not a ton of action. Um, I think maybe, I think that's a fantastic movie, but maybe Warner brothers and Denny Villeneuve maybe learned from that to go, okay, we need to, you know, Have a spectacle here, and it's the visuals in Blade Runner are phenomenal. Um, but in Dune, from the footage we saw, I mean, the opening 10 minutes, not a ton of action, and it is dense and it is a lot of information thrown at you. Um, but I can just tell from this whole thing that they are going to push this so hard to be like, this is an experience you need to see in a theater. It's going to be a spectacle and you need to see it in IMAX because of, you know, I think anyone who enjoyed any of Nolan's stuff. And I've always said Denny Villeneuve, I think has you know, as a Hollywood filmmaker working with Warner brothers has taken a lot from, you know, Nolan's style. And I think he's almost the, the better Nolan right now. Um, and i just see that in this footage that we saw and i'm uh, for someone who doesn't know anything about dune really just from jodorowsky's dune and and uh, and and stuff like that like i'm just so interested to see if this will capture you know a mainstream audience like will it be too and i've heard from people how fucked up this novel gets and like these mo- and this these movies could get and how weird it gets and you get a little bit of that here. And it reminded me of Hideo Kojima's stuff. Like I was just watching some Metal Gear stuff and you could see that Kojima is probably heavily influenced by Dune. And, and and I told I said to you, like the way that it seems like Warner Brothers will market this movie in the simplest of terms is Star Wars Game of Thrones. Having Oscar Isaac in it, having Jason Momoa in it and like just from, you know, the different houses and and just the way that the you know Greg uh Greg Fraser who just did Rogue One um uh, cinematography and just the way that the you know the imperial ships look and all the different things like it really to me on the simplest of terms coming from someone who doesn't know much from Dune and how you're going to pitch this to a mainstream audience is is being like do you like Star Wars do you like Game of Thrones it's going to be that, but then you don't know what to expect. Like you're, it's going to be so much more than that. But um, anyways, that's my kind of overall kind of thing. But Eric, I don't know where you want to start. Do you just want to talk about that first 10 minutes first and then go into yeah, the other I footage? mean, there's,
1: there's a lot that goes on in the first 10 minutes that doesn't even sort of scratch the surface of, of how dense uh, and cerebral um, yeah. the, the storyline will get, but it does give a, a, somewhat understandable or cohesive sort of um, analytical style to it, that you kind of understand that you're not going to get a star Wars movie per se. Yeah. You're going to get something that is going to be a combination of both practical effects, which like some of the, like there's this one sort of like device that pops up early on uh, in, in sort of the opening scene where, where <laughs> Timothee Chalamet is, character paul uh is starting his day and sort of you know getting ready for this big ceremony um that will be later revealed in th- those 10 minutes to be the handing over of arrakis uh the new planet that uh duke leto played the by, titular dune um yes played by uh oscar isaac will be inheriting and you know getting his literal seal of approval um and in you know those first 10 minutes you have the kind of dreamy surreal sort of quality of you know a world that Paul has never been exposed to as of yet, but feels so connected to in one way or another. You know, like the idea, the line, the sleeper has awakened. Um, yeah, I'm sure will be a very pivotal uh, moment when um, it's played, or maybe they won't. Maybe they'll downplay it. I don't know because that was in the Lynch version uh, and in the book a, a very seminal moment for Paul but you also see sort of the class structure and yeah. sort of the difference. very exposition
0: heavy in those yes. first 10. minutes,
1: it, And it has to be, Which because it, yes. It, Cause there's
0: so much going on already. It's all politics. Like it's, all, politics.
1: Like it's yeah. all about politics. And again, it is taking from sort of the real world and the idea of like, you know, you have these kind of like first worlds coming into new lands and new countries and basically it's taking
0: their resources and yeah. Um, and yeah. committing
1: genocide yeah. and, and, and what have you. Um, House of Atreu, uh, you know, like they're they're not as horrible as you know um, the, the the previous owners or inhabitants of Dune, but it doesn't necessarily make them any better. No. Um, and so watching it, you you get a sense that, you know, there's there's this beautiful texture and practical quality um that's been <clears> shot <throat> in camera that Denny Villeneuve is, you know, like Christopher Nolan, as you mentioned, is a fan of, where he rather have the effects kind of be in camera and you know, the makeup and costuming and sort of sound design and, and the
0: giant sets, if they have to build sets yeah, and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And and,
1: and again, like to your point, you know, they're going to really market. A lot of this on like, hey, look, Aquaman's fighting people in, oh, in yeah, certain yeah, yeah. scenes, or like, you know, even to the art house fans, they're going to be like, hey, we have three Coen Brothers actors in this yeah. in this movie in, in like certain scenes, you know. But then also you have, you know, like characters using telepathy to tell you like facts and figures about you know like this sort of ceremony that's going on, and you're kind of like, wait, what? What's what is this? And then, you know, like when you get to kind of like the big action scene that that Denis Villeneuve kind of set up about like, you know, the the harvesters and things like that, where you see the sandworm for the first time. You look at that scene and like even sort of the idea of this sort of dragonfly esque uh, vehicle Ship, yeah. being designed and sort of flying as though it was done in post production, but it, it's done in a way that's almost stop motion animation it really the
0: mimics wings. the wings of a dragonfly yeah. right because they're going so quickly that it, you almost only see frames of it uh, in your vision right and it kind of and i liked the look of all the ships in this because i feel like they were very militaristic in a in a modern sense but well, it's still going for very the mobius yeah
1: geiger kind of like yeah the cold clinical um imperial design, you know, like an empire that mm-hmm. is quote unquote more sophisticated than uh the world that they're going to conquer and inhabit.
0: And I think one of the most fascinating things in both those first uh you know ten minutes that we saw. I mean, you're introduced to Paul, you're introduced to uh how House- uh, atreides and and some of the different kind of factions and things like that and and you know uh, um, zendaya's character chani through you know what you said visions and and things like that um, and her voice over throughout the, the those first 10 minutes and um yeah it's just i it's gonna be so cool to have what i'm talking about with like the game of thrones thing with the different houses and everyone having their own distinct look and style which is something that i really vibed with seeing from this and Um, And then the sense of scale, like being in IMAX and seeing it on this fucking gigantic screen and it taking up that full frame. And, and, you know, it does, you know, the thing we've seen where a lot of it is in the two two three nine aspect ratio but then kind of jumps into that crazy imax aspect ratio for action sequences or establishing shots and different things like that and in that action sequence that we saw with the sandworm the whole thing is pretty much in that aspect ratio and just the sense of scale is kind of wild because it is mostly a, a desert and you just see this you know one ship but um, I don't know, man. Like I was like really, really intrigued by uh, everything that I saw. And, and I'm just going to be fascinated of being like, is this going to work for, you know, a mainstream modern, audiences? Main, yeah. And I think they're going to do their damnedest to kind of go look at this cast, look at the sense of scale. And these, these uh, we're going to have maybe not totally, it's going to be dense and heady, but there are going to be some, a lot of spectacle in there. Um, and I think, you know, the, We've seen things like, you know, Game of Thrones was really hard to follow with all the characters and all the different places, places and factions and houses and and stuff like that. And I feel like this might benefit from people being such a huge fan of that. And maybe it's easier over, you know, however many seasons Game of Thrones were and you have x amount of episodes per season one thing we should say too like it starts off and you get the title screen and it says dune part one which they haven't advertised on any of the posters or anything like that we knew that this was all always going to be like you know the first half well it's it's like like,
1: connecting it to warner brothers it is it is a little bit like stephen king's it except the surprise with stephen king's it is that the part end of part one didn't show up until the end of the movie where this literally tells you in the first frame that this is part one which Mm -hmm. makes sense because if you look at that book it is a tomb like it is just so there is so much there and like
0: and you said you had a feeling of where they were going to end this movie and And we won't get into that but like yeah man like again setting up I just liked that, like you said, that mesh of like classic kind of storytelling and and old school kind of history style mixed with this imperial sci-fi kind of vibe. And with the putting his ring with their house crest on it into the seal and, and things like that, like I love that blend of time where and Star Wars does this, too, which mixing. You know old tech with new tech and and stuff like an old ways of living with new ways of living and and you see a lot of that in in this and and i can't wait to explore more of these planets and these different houses and these different factions because like you see a little brief uh, bit of stellan skarsgard's character um which looks fucking wild and like, like he's, he's not got as all this gross mic- as the, yeah. as the,
1: as the Lynch version, uh, the Kenneth McMillan, uh, performance where like, yeah. he has like literal, like boils, boils and him. pus yeah. coming out of them yeah. and like floats around. But and- that was the most
0: Kojima moment. And people who are game fans would, would uh, know what I'm talking about, but like that character well, just in a too Right. Like that's yes, where yes, Steam a lot yeah. of it from. Yeah. 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 And that's what I mean. And, and watching this footage, you see the influence that, you know, uh, Herbert's Dune had on Star Wars and Game of Thrones and a lot of you said Alien and other you know things sci-fi and and, and stuff like that that um, I think is going to be really interesting to go back and have a modern telling of this story and I think it could work, dude. Like I I have like it's either going to go one way or another, but like I I really think that maybe word of mouth or if they really nail this and I think Denny Villeneuve is one of the best you know blockbuster filmmakers working today um that can really make something that feels important and has layers to it but that also is populist popcorn entertainment as well and i think you know he's done that in all of his english language stuff like even from prisoners to sicario to rival and then blade runner like i feel like you can uh, they transcend just like you know Nolan movies are pure popcorn entertainment I think where Denny Villeneuve stuff I feel like has that but then also you know I feel like he is just a great filmmaker that has you know more than just you know this is a popcorn movie and I see that in the footage of Dune, and it's so little like that's why I didn't mind watching this 20 minutes or so because like at first it was way more than I thought we were going to get but then I'm like this movie's probably three hours, right? <laughs> like, at least, at least, yeah. yeah, and, and in
1: thinking about it as well, I mean, like to be more pessimistic, like this doesn't need to win over press industry and, and sort of people no, within it. sort of, you know, the movie world, like that's, that's not the problem. Yeah. Here. The problem here is it's you need mainstream, to yeah. get the mainstream audience to see it within the first couple of weeks in order for it to even, I don't even know what it needs to make in terms of just breaking even at this. It'd be point. interesting
0: with the HBO max thing too, right? Like, yeah, because yeah. the
1: fear is like, I think what Warner, I think brothers, that's why they're pushing IMAX too. What Warner brothers fears the most with this being a box office bomb is that this movie based on the marketing, based on, uh, the budget of the film, um, based on the material, and also having an a tour filmmaker sort of head this project, and also with Blade Runner twenty forty nine not being as ex- accessible as they wanted it to be, this almost feels like we're getting Heaven's Gate Part Two. Where if this movie bombs, it might not even just kill the the you know the the a tour doing you know these kind of movies again. MGM was basically destroyed by Heaven's Gate in in the early 80s and like that basically began this new wave of blockbuster cinema which we already have that with the Marvels and and you know the superhero film in general but I have a feeling if this does not do well this is going to this is going to hit Warner Brothers in a way that they'll have to team up with like an Amazon or... Well, they just
0: sold, something. remember? Like, they, AT&T just sold them to right? but I um, could even see this... Discovery, like, right? Like,
1: again, like, you look at what happened with Heaven's Gate, <laughs> it not only destroyed... Michael Chemino's career because that's the other thing I'm worried about as well is that this will be the end of Denis Villeneuve's career uh, after this if because, he makes two big sci-fi ball bon- he'll go back to do a small French film or something like that after right his, but like, he'll effect. struggle for the rest of his career to even do that because like Michael Chemino was basically Blacklisted for the rest of his career Because he was always known Not as the guy who made The Deer Hunter And won all those Oscars He was the guy that was known for destroying The film industry for filmmakers Mm -hmm. Like he was the guy Like literally he made like shitty like You know, some people like Dino De Laurentiis' Year of the Dragon with Mickey Rourke, which shot partly in Toronto. And some people like, you know, the horrible uh, Woody Harrelson movie that he made in the the 90s, The Sun Chaser. But he was literally like on the fringes for the rest of his career making independent movies and struggling to get those films made. So Denny Villeneuve could ultimately end up in that same category. I think
0: think they have confidence in this with green lighting that hbo max series calling this part one premiering this at venice and toronto uh over a month uh you know before it comes out like i and i know those audiences you know like you already mentioned are the ones that are going to be interested in this and and were the ones who probably liked blade runner 2049 and and went out to see that in theaters and wanted that to play the festival circuit as well but i think like, I, they're doing a huge push. And I think that's why they're doing this event, which people can go, you know, I, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, I think they're doing it two nights in a row in IMAX on the 21st and the 22nd. What if films are, are they with? Um, it's not. It's just a ticketed event. Oh. I think you can. So it's kind of like website, what Avatar I, was. Yeah, right? like you'd go into a special event, just like what we did, but a public version of it. And you can get tickets. I don't think Toronto's on the list. Montreal was. I checked it out. Um, but go check out the Dune website. All the info would be on there. There's a lot of places in the U S that have it. And um, with that showing this footage, having a big push with the posters and the new trailer, as well as premiering at the festival, it seems like they really want people talking about this. So the word of mouth kind of spreads before then reviews come out before, you know, this ultimately releases in IMAX and 3d and, and, and on HBO max, but um, it's going to be really interesting. Cause like, I don't know everything we saw, like, uh, from the behind the scenes, people talking about it, uh, Hans Zimmer talking about the score was it kind of really chair. interesting. Yeah. He has a dope office and a giant red chair. Um, which also I think invokes, uh, like, uh, cause Hans Zimmer's worked with Nolan so often too, that I, I know I keep going back to that, but like, even the, tick, 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 like that very kinetic kind of t- ticking time kind of thing, right. With like yeah.
1: the actual vocals of, yeah. of, you know, they, they they really focus on the women of dune and the idea yeah. that you're having these voices come through. I mean, that's what he was known for before Nolan, right. Where yeah. like, you know, he was taking influences from the middle East and yeah. you know parts of Asia and sort of basically sort incorporating that infusing into, his, score, it into yeah. his, his work and, like and also, it really
0: kind of showcases here. A lot of it is that, yeah.
1: Yeah. And like you look at like his workshop in general, um, over the last decade or so like all his disciples and people that you know work for him are basically producing the same kind of sound so you know like for him to try to do something different i think is kind of inspired and also um you know you hope that like there will be something that is kind of unique to the world that just doesn't sound like it's a complete regurgitation. I mean, it's like any filmmaker as well. You know, you have a signature so- style, Hans Zimmer has a signature sound. It's, it's hard to kind of remove yourself from that. But you know, when you get to be as big as him, it's like, where do you go to get to that next sort of peak? You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to just plateau for, you know, your entire career. And he talks about that, right. Of trying to, you know,
0: uh, find some otherworldly sounds for the score and the score is fantastic hearing it on those giant speakers and just throughout the thing is is intense and um that was one way to describe you know all the footage that we saw and then the trailer itself i think is really slick and i think they're doing a good job man like it made me like i was already excited for this like you didn't need to show me all this i wouldn't say that I would say it made me more interested because I didn't really know much about Dune other than what you've kind of talked to me about and I've kind of stayed away from everything because I just like, you know, consuming my media through film and I just heard that Lynch version wasn't great. So um And it's going a 4K say,
1: release soon through uh through Aero. Yeah,
0: which is smart, you know, yeah. try to capitalize on this and 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 put that out. But um I really I just want this to land so badly like i just because I, I love denny Villeneuve i love everyone involved in this i want more adult driven heady like uh sci-fi that you know like you like you were mentioning eric like blends that world of a, auteur filmmaker with like you know popcorn entertainment which i, I was talking about so like this is not Indie a Marvel filmmaking movie. on this a is 200 not, million dollar budget. yeah and, and then but you want it still to be accessible because you want to keep getting these so you need to have that line of you know people not realizing this is what they want and then they go in and it is like you know a lot but they end up really kind of getting into it and it I, I not necessarily need this to be an ongoing franchise but i at least want the story of dune to be told and then maybe you see from there like at least that first novel is like i would hate for us to get this part one and it completely bombs and then and it, maybe it's a great movie and bombs just like blade runner right and then that would suck the most <laughs> if it's fantastic but it just doesn't land with everyone but i really think that they are doing a good job and if people see that trailer and and i know not a lot of people will be able to see this footage but i'm telling you like i it looks like When it goes into that full frame IMAX, like, you know, I talk about a lot that day and date, I think, is the way to go. And if you want to watch a movie at home, um, by all means, you should be able to do that. And if you want to power to you, you should be able to enjoy the movie that way. But I'm I, I think IMAX is my favorite form of, you know movies like i love that giant screen and I, when stuff is shot in imax and, and and nolan is the best at that and he's the biggest champion of it and now Villeneuve with this dune stuff like i was like you gotta if you can and you have a real imax theater near you i'm like do not watch this on a streaming service like try if you're comfortable like if cases are good in your area and all that stuff Pop in your dune um, buggy and yeah, go to the and, theater yeah and i hate to just sound like we're you know Helping market this movie, but um, I love Villeneuve's filmography. I like his stuff that he's done with Warner Brothers and his bigger blockbustery stuff, and and I just really hope this lands with people.
1: Yeah, I do too. I mean, there's there's a lot right Who knows? On the
0: movie this. might not be good, but like, I from everything we've seen, it looks like, and from his history, it's pro I think it looks pretty good.
1: Yeah, I mean, even if it's not a great movie, it'll still be a fascinating film to watch just because of like everything that went into it, and maybe you know, that's the other thing as well. Like this is a passion project for him and maybe it, it it got too close to him. It's too personal. And sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees when you're making something that you're so, you know, dogged about kind of getting made mm. and some like you, you look at Blade Runner 2049, like obviously Denny Villeneuve, you know, a major part of his influence stylistically is coming from Ridley Scott. So it made sense that he would be the guy that would kind of take over to do you know, a sequel to Blade Runner. If Ridley wasn't going to do it.
0: That's a good point too. With this,
1: you have, you know, this guy, again, Ridley was also going to do Dune. Like Dune, Ridley was going to do Dune before Blade Runner. Like, that's the thing. Like if you watch the Dark Days documentary on, on the making of Blade Runner, Dune was the thing that Ridley wanted to make, but then his brother died. And that kind of like, you know, basically he took some time off and had a hiatus and then comes back. Oh, and when he comes back you know he wants to make something in sci-fi because he wants to compete with star wars and so blade yeah. runners the thing that comes about and and that is like you know Philip K Dick is another very again cerebral heady kind of writer and 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 so obviously that movie blade runners had a life on its on you know almost 40 years now right like it's 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 39 years um and so with this like i can see it being really a great film that just gets its teeth kicked in at the box office and then 40 years from now people will be like what were we thinking you know like this movie was great then like i can see it going either way but i can see it more going the direction of this is an art house film with a studio budget you know and that's the thing that i think is scaring warner brothers a little bit or at least they're feeling the pressure to really market this
0: but do you not think that they rehired him after blade runner and blade runner was that right yeah and then they all would have probably learned from you know why didn't that connect with audiences and what but, but that's to... still
1: from a marketing standpoint only like i don't think denny velnova is going to sacrifice the filmmaking his, his yeah. filmmaking style to, to sell a couple yeah. of dollars and especially now i think warner brothers is all also a little bit more stress because of the dis- the reaction that they got from him and nolan based on the, on day the and hbo stuff. stuff yeah so they're kind of also maybe compensating a little bit more for that because they're feeling like they maybe have to sell the film even more than the filmmaker or get timothy chalamet and jason momoa two of the bigger like not saying that like brolin or oscar isaac it's just that like jason momoa now with you know aquaman and and timothy chalamet kind of being an international actor like those are the two faces you want out in front of this you know um denny valneuve for you know the canadian audience and the art house people but it'll that'll be interesting to see like how he is on the junket to you know is he going to be as candid as he was that writing that variety or or yeah that variety uh article you know how he felt condemning it or whatever yeah
0: like and it's still as of right now it's still because there were rumors that they made a deal with legendary to give it an exclusive like uh window right window which i could still see happening like um, cause it's right now it's scheduled for October 22nd. Uh, it is going to premiere, like I said, at Venice early September and then TIF mid September. I could see them going like a IMAX exclusive kind of route if that's the way that they really want to push the movie for, you know, this is a theatrical experience. Like you could do like a two week IMAX window and then like once that runs out it's normal
1: theaters and hbo max maybe but uh almost like what universal is doing right (laughs) with like sort of the three to four week sort of window and then it's available on premium vod
0: which is i think the route that you go moving forward but um as we saw with the black widow box office in the heights we saw a little bit it'll be interesting to see space jam second weekend of like how that because it seems like it's not affecting the opening weekends all that much because you are getting the people – the same people who are, you know, love going to the movies are going to the movies on that first weekend. What it is it is cheaper too. Like yes, that is the other yeah. thing. Like like it is it, – Depending it's
1: still, on, you know, how well, many people are going to see yeah, it. Yeah, and if you live in Canada play, when yeah. it comes to the HBO Max thing because like – you know, we don't have HBO Max and all of all of the films that are available through Warner Brothers are $25. available on premium VOD. But if you're going by yourself or even just as a couple or or like it still is. I still think it is cheaper, like they're like even even on a Tuesday. Right. Like mm-hmm. yeah. the idea of, of spending, you know, fifteen dollars instead of twenty five to thirty dollars on something is more that is enticing to go to the theater if, if you feel comfortable going, but again
0: that's going to affect those people i think who want to see it right away which is why i think we're seeing huge drop-offs because um those second third weekend people are the people that just will watch it at home because they don't care about going to see it right away or they just were like oh i can go see it right away because now i don't
1: have to leave my house i can watch it at home they'll watch it on their tablet like matt damon watching movies and tv yeah yeah
0: Yeah. (laughs) god bless him um yeah i'm excited i i was excited before it's probably my most anticipated movie of tiff um i just i really want to you know cinisphere imax sounds so dope for this and maybe it'll be on film imax too you'd, you'd hope but um i can only uh only imagine but uh yeah i think this definitely made me more interested was it necessary for me no but i really enjoyed the footage that we saw i don't think it spoiled much of the movie because i feel like it's so dense and and there's so much going on that i left going okay i think i kind of got it from those first 10 minutes of the setup which in the simplest of ways but i think there's probably a lot more to it than just that which oh yeah there is
1: yeah It's only scratched the surface and you know, like it's, it's going to get a lot more spicier as, uh, as it goes on. But I, I, again, like I don't think we needed to be sold on it. We're, we're selling it now to people that might be listening to this and being like, okay, I, I saw the, I saw the trailer and I'm seeing online that people are talking about the preview and like what, do these guys think it's
0: visually spectacular i thought the action sequence was intense and exciting uh with the sandworm coming up on the on the spice um kind of harvester and um like i thought it was like a really cool extraction scene and a really cool exciting reveal of this giant butthole worm um (laughs) and like i just i i I was into it and i and you know they're really kind of selling it with you know the action sequences with you know momoa training with you know chalamet and chalamet chalamet um and just kind of the weird sci-fi elements really and the the design like the costume designs i think are really cool and um just the production in general when they showed the behind the scenes of shooting on very little green screen everything's either a practical location or a gigantic set and and that's the stuff that you know i really appreciate and we've talked about you know uh, I forget what we talked about recently when it came to special effects. I think on the most recent draft of the Unti- 94th draft of the entitled movie podcast, we talked about, you know, CGI and, and D no, we, we,
1: and- I think we, yeah, we talked about that a little bit, but we also talked about that because, and we'll talk about it on the, uh, or we did on the 95th one, depending on when you're listening to this about uh little shop of horrors. Yeah, Cause we yeah. talked about that when, uh, as we were going to the theater.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just practical effects in general. And um, so I think, you know, Uh, um, Villeneuve is so good at that and shooting stuff in camera and wanting to do that and it just it looks really really nice and just i'm really excited for this and i hope it kind of lands with audiences
1: same Uh, i'm i'm hopeful in the sense that it will be good um and i'm excited i mean has made a
0: bad movie no so that's why I'm like I, I I'm very hopeful because like I'd say like I I remember going to see this Tiff retrospective loved all his French language stuff and then even Prisoners is like
1: which you is know, probably his most is, derivative but that's yeah. not necessarily his fault that's mostly him getting his foot in the door with Warner Brothers and the studio system and taking something that is very much you know uh seven kind of rip off and then turning it into something more you know and that movie's actually pretty solid and i think
0: oh it is for my
1: money it's probably hugh jackman's best performance Mm -hmm. um but look what he did with prisoners right like if that was directed by anton fuqua like it was originally supposed to be (laughs) that would have been a completely different film.
0: yeah exactly so then that's why i'm like i have all the hope in the world and the way that they're going the festival route and stuff like that so yeah you'll hear much more about dune in the upcoming weeks eric and i hope to cover it at the uh, Toronto international film festival, but you know, plans are still being laid for that. We have no idea um, kind of from screening perspective, like what we're doing yet. But I uh, hope to see it at the Cinesphere, but you'll hear reactions early September from Venice and stuff, too. So pretty pumped uh, if you can go check out this footage and you're in close to an IMAX theater. I don't think don't be worried that it gives away too much because I feel like there's a lot going on that, you know, it's more of a visual feast and a little uh, hors d'oeuvre of like what the actual story of this is because I feel like there's so much going on that like you, even seeing 20-25 minutes of the movie I'm like we haven't even scratched the surface or and out of context too right so yeah um anyways I'm excited uh, Dune is going to be released like we mentioned October 22nd um, in theaters and IMAX theaters as well as um, on HBO Max in the U.S. I assume it's probably not going to be streaming in Canada, but we don't know yet. Like, I no, don't it hasn't think been it,
1: confirmed. What if I, theaters
0: are open here? Yeah. I do not think it will be available to on premium rent. VOD. But who knows? We'll maybe. keep you posted. We'll yeah.
1: like you know continue to listen to us if you want to, uh, and we'll we'll let you know when when we have confirmation on that.
0: Mm -hmm. uh thank you all for listening uh we hope to do more preview stuff like this if we are given the opportunity to see some footage i know um in the past eric and i have gone to like disney preview events around the holiday time for their upcoming slate and things like that so if these things pop up and and we're able to do them um maybe we'll do a bit more preview stuff Um, But, you know, usually we'll just talk about what we're excited for over on the Untitled Movie Podcast. So you guys can go subscribe over there on our drafts, which is our flagship show. Um, We kind of just talk about what we've been watching, what we're excited for, trailers, things like that. So go check that out. Our 95th draft um, should be up right now or very, very soon for you guys. Uh, Kevin McGuire and Rihanna Mehta from um, Eclectish. uh, Eclectish? I'm probably mispronouncing that. Eclectic? Um, came by and um, they'll tell me when we record that episode. Uh, they came by to talk about you know their experience in the pandemic. You know, watching a metric ton of uh, movies and doing this monthly article over there about what they've been watching. Uh, and then all of our other reviews. We have tons and tons of new reviews up right now that you guys can check out uh, if you want to hear our opinions on uh escape room tournament of champions which includes a wild story about going back to the cinemas uh f9 quiet place part two pig uh space jam and new legacy um uh fear street parts one two and three are all up there so go check out all that stuff our letterboxd hq at untitled podcast has all of our reviews um our rankings of different franchises our personal profiles all this anything you could ever want from us over there are other social links being at untitled underscore cast. Drop us a review if you would be so kind on this channel and our other ones. Uh, and as always, my name is Matt Rohrbeck. You can find more of my work around the internet, but mostly at untitledmoviepodcast.com. And you can follow me on all those social
1: medias at Matt Rohrbeck. And I'm Eric Martian. You can find more of my video reviews at rogerstv.comslash so cinema scene and on the social medias at EM6211. Until next time, give me the water.